Tate Chronicles now transmitting. Welcome to the Tate Chronicles on Healthcare Now Radio. And now, here's your host, Jim Tate. Good day, citizens of the free world, from border to border, coast to coast, and to all the ships at sea, I bring you a warm welcome. This is your correspondent, Jim Tate, and thank you for tuning into the Tate Chronicles. Join me as we cut through the fog that exists at the leading edge of healthcare technology. I'm really excited today. My guest is Daniel Abrams. Daniel is the CEO and CTO of MassLight, and he's the acting CTO for many startups. Uh, interestingly enough, he holds a degree in anthropology, was a software engineer at Apple, and he founded MassLight's Build for Equity program to support founders struggling with technology. MassLight provides product teams to help qualified founders launch digital health startups. Daniel, welcome to the Tate Chronicles. Thanks so much, Jim. It's really a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm really fascinated with this whole concept because uh, you supply uh, services to startups, uh, in particular would focus on healthcare startups. And do they, these startups, that potential startups, do, do they have to really be advanced and think they have the next big thing or maybe they just have a great idea? What services do you supply to these folks? So we very much consider ourselves an early stage investor, and we're a little unusual in that we work with startups all the way from inception. So starting with idea stage two, just around series A, um, if they get beyond that, they're usually at the point when they don't need the specialized type of services that we provide. But that's the that's our, our usual range from, from idea stage to, to series A. Well, and so let's talk about those uh, services. If if I came up with a healthcare idea, I thought uh, had potential in the market, possibly disruptive, but certainly something that brought value. But I haven't uh, done anything from a development standpoint. I just came to you. Could you take it from there? Or are you actually supplying some technical development? That is the way that we view ourselves as being a little unique and different from most early stage investors. So mm -hmm. we're similar to early stage investors in that we provide um, capital to early stage startups. But the thing that we do that is a little unique is that we provide these teams of full-time software engineers and quality assurance engineers and, and product folks to really get down in the trenches um, with the founders and, and help them build and launch the product. Uh, and so beyond just the uh, technical aspects, do you help with um, maybe market due diligence and, you know, and potential things like that? We do. So when we started out doing Build for Equity, our initial idea was that we would only provide technical services. But it became apparent pretty quickly that there was a suite of other services that mm. founders could really benefit from. And so... You can imagine a founder might come to us and they might have a lot of experience um, in a particular um, aspect of healthcare or health delivery. They might have a vision for a product, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're an expert, say, in, in digital marketing and, and understanding how to set up a marketing campaign. And so over the years, we've also added support for services that are not strictly technical, but are there to, to help founders launch their product in non-technical ways like, like marketing. Uh, we'll get into the application process in a little bit, but um, how do folks 
hear about you. Do you go out and are you looking or do people know about you and contact you or is it all the above? When we started out, it was entirely organic. So we just talked to founders. We started accepting founders and working with them. And then they um, would let their friends know. And and we started uh, seeing applications grow basically through word of mouth. But after a certain point, probably about two years ago, we decided that it made sense. We had we'd achieved a certain level of scale and we had a certain reputation doing this bill for equity work that, that we decided to also engage in professional marketing. And so now we participate in, in industry events and we do outreach and we do all these um, sorts of marketing activities to, to let people know that we're out there as well. Daniel, I, I would guess you, you get the full range quality of applications from folks that don't have any shot at all to folks who come with you and uh, really have something that uh, excites you. And, and so over time, how, I'm just kind of curious about the business you're in, how has the quality of those applications changed over time or has it? It has changed to a degree. Um, as it became clear to startups that we had this focus on health tech and medical startups, um, in particular, the quality in that market got higher and higher. So we mm -hmm. developed a reputation as being not just very high quality software engineers, but high quality technical folks who understood HIPAA and the regulatory environment, understood mm -hmm. how to build systems that could do interactions um, with EHRs and, and hospital systems. And, and so particularly for um, founders who had those needs, we were a very appealing option. And, and also, as a result, the, the quality of the applications coming in was, was higher. But you're also right in that we get applications that are all over the map. Um, and um, this is probably true um, for investors in general, but, um, but you know, people come and some are well-prepared and, and some are not. And we, we try to be thoughtful about the fact that even if an application seems like it's not necessarily a good investment for our sort of services that you know these are people's dreams and, and they're things that they they care a lot about and so we try to be helpful where we can even if we can't provide services and and give good feedback and, and you know just handle these things gently even even if the quality is not necessarily where we would like it sure. to be in some cases in terms of the uh, startup domains, uh, what caused you to be focused primarily on healthcare startups? There were a couple of reasons. Um, one is that as a team, we had a sense that we wanted to be focused on vertical markets where we felt like we were making a positive difference in the world. And, uh, and, we, and we looked around and we had this idea that there was just a lot of room for technical improvement in health in the way healthcare was delivered. And I think everyone can see that both from the clinical side and, and from the, the patient side. And so it was an area we had always been interested in. It was an area we had done some work in even before um, starting this Bill for Equity program. And then things kind of snowballed from there. The very first startups that we worked with happened to be in that market. And so one thing led to another where we both built um, technical knowledge of how to build these types of apps um, in a way that let us stand out and also just um, reputation. Um, so startups that were focused in that area came to see us as a, as a really um, 
both viable and, and ideal option. Um, and, and so I think it wasn't necessarily an absolute intention starting out, but it, it started out as an interest area and then became something that, that we really became more and more committed to over time. Well, it, it's certainly an area where the whole domain is just ripe for disruption. Uh, in, in so many aspects, not only from the clinical data, but to reimbursement and uh, prior authorizations, just uh, so many things. But um, could you share with us a few of the healthcare-related startups in your portfolio? Sure. I'd like to talk about two in particular, I think. Right. One is the very first startup that we ever worked with. So this was a company called Pacify. Um, they provide telemedicine to new moms. So they provide instant access within 20 or 30 seconds to lactation consultants and pediatric nurses. And the idea for the startup was once the pediatrician's office closed at five or six o'clock, it was really hard for moms to get support. And, and they were winding up in the emergency room in situations that everyone knew maybe wasn't quite an emergency, but but no one was sure. And, you know, you do mm -hmm. what's best for your baby. And um and so um, they were they were trying to solve this problem, and it was intriguing to us. And so the founders had a very deep background in delivering healthcare services. They did not have a technical background. They had been working with a fee-for-service offshoring firm to try and get the MVP bill. It was not working out very well because there was a misalignment of interest that firm that they were working with wanted to get the product out as quickly as possible and move on, even if there were holes in the product. And, and obviously the founders were thinking long-term. So they asked us to come in and take over. The product had never launched at that point. So it was just, it was really an idea, but but um, but they had been working on it for about a year or so. So we came in, um, we, we determined that the, the technical infrastructure was deficient, um, effectively rewrote it, got their product launched, and it ended up um, becoming a blueprint for, for these built for equity services. And, and we participated in every single round that they um, that they fundraised under. So I think they went on and did four or five more rounds over the years. We participated in every single one of those rounds. Um, and ultimately, they were acquired by a much larger healthcare organization. And we still work with that organization mm. to this day. Um, so it was great. Um, and 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 really, it, it kind of set the stage for, for us understanding both how to make these investments. Because we came at this from a technical background. My background, like you mentioned, is as a software engineer, not, not as an investor or a VC. So it, it really helped us understand a lot about how to structure these investments. Um, and then just personally and professionally was was very very rewarding um and so so that that that's one i want to call out and then the other one i want to mention is kind of the other side which is a much bigger organization i mean they're a startup but in the kind of big startup sense and that's an organization called pm pediatrics um so they are a pediatric urgent care facility at this point they're actually one of the largest if not the largest pediatric urgent care organizations in the country. They have clinics up and down um, the East Coast. And, um, and and they are, in some sense, a traditional brick and mortar shop, although they have a lot of telemedicine too, and that you show up um, with your child, your child is sick, and, and you show up to their urgent care facility. And, um, and so I mentioned them because I like to think a lot about um, this model of 
taking traditional healthcare, which has not gone away. People still need mm-hmm. to go in and, and see their doctors, but being able to provide products to organizations like this that are really striving to deliver better experience for both their clinicians and for their patients. And so we're working with them to build out uh, an entire EHR. Um, So they have an existing EHR, and it's one of the traditional vendors, which offers all sorts of limitations in terms of both the clinical and patient experience. And they really want to deliver something better. And, and so we're working with them to do that. And, and I really like their approach. So, that, so that's another one I need to talk about. You, you mentioned um, that first one, Pacify, that has gone through several rounds of funding. Did you provide uh, guidance to them on how to go for additional funding and how to, how to structure that, kind of the we legal did. aspects? We did, um, in particular, that's something we do even more of now. So um, so when Pacify was the very first one we did, and when we got into this, both we and the founders were learning um, as we went in terms of the fundraising process. But mm-hmm. what became pretty clear as we did more and more of these deals was it was important to help the founders um, position themselves well and survive the, the fundraising process. So if you think of the trajectory of startups that go through a program like ours, most of them want to go on to raise subsequent rounds of institutional capital. Not all of them. Like mm-hmm. There are some startups that kind of grow organically and decide that's the path, and, and that's fine. But most of them um, want to go on and, and raise capital. And, and most founders don't necessarily have a lot of experience doing that. Um, so that's an area that um, we'll be devoted to, um, to helping those startups position themselves correctly. And also, we realized it became necessary to develop um, relationships with VCs, particularly VCs in the, the vertical market that, that we were interested in. And so we spent a lot of time cultivating those relationships too. So we can say when a startup is ready to kind of move, graduate from what we've done, or even if um, they're still working with us, if they're just going to raise capital at that point, we can say, oh, we can facilitate an introduction with this particular firm and we think you're a really good fit for their mm-hmm. thesis and um and and so we help the startups both not ju- not only position themselves but but actually get in the door with with VCs that we think are probably a good fit for them to our audience if you're just joining this episode I'm Jim Tate and today on the Tate Chronicles I'm speaking with Daniel Abrams the CEO of Mass Light Daniel how much, uh, Lisa? Uh, how much equity does Masslight take for your services? So we structure um, a, what we call a standard deal um, for an early stage startup. We provide a hundred thousand dollars and between three to five thousand hours of software engineering and other services, and we typically take twenty percent equity. Now, there's a process by which startups can request an exception. So, in some cases, um, a startup might be further along, they might have raised institutional capital um, at a particular valuation, they might have industry traction. So we have a um, process where we make a valuation determination if the startup is outside of the standard set of terms, but those are the standard terms that by default we start with. Do you work with part-time founders or what type of founders are you looking for? In general, we're looking for full-time founders. So this is how we think about it. When we commit to a startup, we are all in. We are committing our team full-time every day, working um, 
to make sure that that startup is successful. We're, we're not um, we're not ourselves part time. We're doing everything we can, and we want to see the same um, for founders. Now, sometimes founders will come to us with a plan um, where they outline when it makes sense for them to be full time. So mm-hmm. it, it may be that. Um, it, they're just at the idea stage um, and they're not yet full-time and, and that's okay. We're happy to talk to those founders, but there needs to be a, a plan in place that outlines, okay, we understand that Maslight is going to be devoting its resources full-time um, and, and here's when when we as founders intend to do the same. Well, and that kind of leads me to another question. Um, if you could maybe uh, give me a composite of who or what an ideal founder would be for you. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. Um, yeah. so, so typically, we're looking at non-technical founders as our ideal partner. It's not always true, but mm-hmm. most of the time, the founders who are best suited to um, to being partners of ours and, and meeting the type of investment we provide is someone who has fairly deep experience in a particular vertical market. So typically, healthcare, um, medical. Um, they might have worked there in that market for 10 or 15 years. Um, they have enough industry experience to have a vision for a product. So they've um, they said, okay, I can see a hole or a pain point in this market that I know needs to be solved. I have a pretty clear understanding of how to solve it. And then in addition to understanding how to solve it, I have the ability, if that product existed, to go out and sell it. So I have built up um, a Rolodex of contacts or I understand how to speak the language for my potential customers such that if the product existed, I can go out and, and sell that product. And what I really, really need that I don't have is the technical wherewithal to build that product. And so when founders come to us and that's kind of the profile, that for us is is ideal. I, I know I'm, you, you work virtually, I imagine, but where are you actually based, Daniel? I'm I'm in D.C. I've been here for a very long time. Okay. Um, and when did Mass Light uh, get founded? When did you launch? We founded in way back in 2000. We started out actually as a very traditional fee-for-service software consultancy. Mm-hmm. So we started out building iOS, Android, and web applications, and we did that primarily for very large companies. So we did it for Fortune 100 companies for the US government. And we grew the company to a reasonable size. And it wasn't until about eight years ago or so that we had grown and felt comfortable beginning to do these seed investments. And so we started doing seed investments. And that was kind of when we had this aha moment to realize, oh, maybe there's um, a need in the startup community for not solely capital, but even the, the type of services that, that we provided. And, you know, we had never worked with startups before. It just didn't really make sense under um, kind of a traditional software consultancy model. In other words, the fees that, that we charged um, to large organizations just would never have made sense um, for a startup. And so it wasn't really something that we had considered. Um, but then once we reached the point where we were doing these investments and, and talking to founders, thought, oh, well, there's a need here, and maybe there's a way for us to do this. Um, we had been around long enough and had a you know, stable enough base of capital that, um, that, that we could provide this type of investment services, and, and so that's what happened. 
Let's talk a little bit about the application process. So uh, let's say I've heard about uh, Mass Light, and I have what I think is a, a great idea, and I have domain knowledge. How, how would I uh, contact Mass Light, and, and what's the process of applying? So the first step is just to go to our website. We try and make it really easy to apply. There's two ways. If you have a pitch deck already, um, you're welcome just to upload that pitch deck and we'll review it. And that's fine. If you don't, you're, we also have a form where you can fill out some information about the company and we'll review that. And I personally review every one of those applications that, that come in. So, so everyone that comes in, um, I take a look at along with the, the rest of our team and we decide um, which ones make sense to move forward. And then when we move forward, there's, you know, two or three more steps in, in our process. Typically, the next step is we'll set up a one-on-one -on -one meeting with the founders and, and I'll talk to them. And so what we're looking there is a little bit of background beyond what we see in the pitch deck. So why did the founders decide to tackle this problem? And, and have they learned, how, how far along have, have they gotten? And have they learned anything along the way? Have they made changes? Um, so we wanna understand not just where the idea or the business is today, but the thought process. And then if we agree and the founders agree that it makes sense to move forward from there, we schedule what we call a formal pitch, although it's really more like a conversation. So we allot 30 minutes, we have the entire team on our side there and the entire team means both the technical team and the business folks to review mm. that pitch. Mm -hmm. um, we ask the founders actually to spend no more than about five minutes on the pitch because we come in pretty knowledgeable um, uh, with all the information that the, the founders have submitted, as well as um, research that we've done. And we spend 25 minutes um, doing a longer and more substantive Q&A. If we get through that pitch and both the founders and we decide it makes sense to move forward, we do a technical scoping. So we sit down with the founders and say, over the next six to 12 months, what does the business need to do to be successful? And we then take those business goals and reverse engineer them into a set of technical milestones or deliverables. So what software or other technical pieces need to be in place for that business to hit those milestones, scope them out, ensure that we're on the same page as the, the founders in terms of being able to deliver them and make sure that we feel confident that we have the, the team necessary to do that. And assuming that, um, that we all feel good at that point, that's it, we sign the agreement. Daniel, it's hard to believe, but we're almost totally out of time. But how can listeners find out more about MassLight? What's your website? So our, our website is MassLight.com, M-A-S-S-L-I-G-H-T.com. Um, we have a bunch of information there about the type of investment and services that we do, but but we're also um, very open. So if there's information that or questions that uh, your listeners may have, have them uh we have a we have a form and and have them have them uh, drop that question there and and they may be surprised how quickly they get an answer okay great oh, well to our audience thanks for joining me on this episode of the take chronicles uh for special salute to my guest today daniel abrams of mass light daniel Thanks for coming aboard today. Thank you so much, Jim. It was really a pleasure being here. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. You can find more information on this show show's program page at Healthcare Now Radio. That's healthcarenowradio.com. Until we meet again, here's wishing you smooth sailing 
and safe harbors. Tape Chronicles transmission ending now.